This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. First, I just want to get this out there. If you want to find any of our content, you can follow me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler or his work at pregame.com. Dave, I want to go back through last week's picks. We went one and one, and it ended up being a wash. So no harm, no foul, one and one. You did hit your bet. I went over here. Still looking to try and get hot in the month of July. But, Dave, uh, we have a brand new slate of games. Two more days, as always. We're recording here Monday afternoon. We're going to do three games for the Monday, July 24th slate and then three games for the Tuesday, July 25th slate. So, Dave, let's jump right into this here. First game we're looking at, it's actually going to be the very last game of the night. It's the Toronto Blue Jays traveling to L.A. to take on the Dodgers. You have Jose Barrios on the mound for the Jays, and you have Michael Grove on the mound for the Dodgers. Uh, Dave, I thought this one was kind of interesting. Curious to know what you think about this game. Yeah, I mean... The Dodgers have been tearing the cover off the ball, and, the, and their pen's been lights out uh, lately. So one would assume they're they are the play. You know, I'm going to say not so fast because they're in a first game back situation, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, it's not a reason to fade them alone, but it's a reason to be careful. Uh, and that trip was a long trip, and it was to the East Coast, so you know it, it's got some some oomph behind it, if you will. And Grove is kind of tough to predict. I mean, early on, he was lit up by almost everyone. But he's been super solid lately. Um, then again, I could argue that, you know, he beat the Nationals who aren't very good. And, you know, Baltimore, whose offense is an elite. But that's what good pitchers do. They beat the bad teams. And, you know, the Jays flew down from Seattle, which is a fairly long trip. And I'm still pissed at the Jays that their pen didn't give up another run because they had the over in that game. Uh, and their pen has not been very good. Uh, Barrios, on the other hand, has been solid. And, of course, there's not a lot of familiarity on both sides. So I'm going to take out the Toronto pen. I think that they are um, used. Uh, I know Romano pitched a lot of innings yesterday. And I, I think I'm going to bet the first five under. I think it's the most logical bet here in an illogical sport, Nelson. Yeah, I looked at this game, and I thought uh, just looking at the money lines here, I thought the line on Toronto being dogs. I know, like you said, the Dodgers have been hot. And the bullpen, which is a big thing, has been better, but it feels like this is either a blessing or a curse getting this cheap a price on the Blue Jays as dogs, especially with how Barrios has pitched this year. So I actually, I looked at it two ways, man, maybe I could take Barrios in the first five because you mentioned it. Grove has been solid, but earlier this year he wasn't. And so I looked and thought maybe I could go with the Toronto Blue Jays in the first five innings or because Berrios has been lesser in his career on the road, Michael Grove has been taken before, that Blue Jays bullpen hasn't been the best as of late, and we know overall the Dodgers pen wasn't good, I could see an over here. Yeah, I could see that too. It's highly possible, but I think I would have to rely on the bullpens. I'm not saying they won't score 15 runs, but for me – I would look at an in-game over if the first inning, two, three, or, you know, one-nothing, one-one type, you know, situation and get a better line because I think an over would be predicated on one or both bullpens imploding. And and uh, I don't – I don't – I can see that, but I don't see the runs coming early. 
So yeah, if I'm going to bet the over, I'm going to wait and see if uh, if I can get a get a get a nothing nothing couple innings and get a half run or a run better. So there you go. That's our first game of the Monday slate. Now looking at the second game, we're going to go through. Going to be a seven ten Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Texas Rangers traveling to Houston to take on the Astros. John Gray on the mound for Texas. Brandon Bielek on the mound for the Houston Astros. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking for our second game here for Monday? Yeah, I mean, the Rangers were one of those teams that the Dodgers just brutalized over the weekend at home. Uh, And it was their starters and their bullpen that got torched. And, you know, although Gray is arguably the best starter, um, he's been hit kind of hard lately. And he didn't allow a run against the Rays in his last start, but he did give up eight hits in like 4.2 innings. So the bottom line, I think, here is uh, if you think Gray rebounds, uh, it's a five-inning bet on on Texas. Um, but uh, Belak hadn't had a whole lot of exposure to to Texas, so I kind of wanted to go there first. But, you know, the Astros are in that. Here we go, the first game back. Uh, and they've been winning, but against Oakland and Colorado, and, and they've not had double-digit hits in six straight games. So maybe that's fool's gold to take Houston. I mean, Belak started the season really well, uh, but then he was completely exposed that maybe after people got a book on him, I don't know. Uh, he's thrown well lately, but two of those lately games were against the Rockies. So even though the Rangers haven't seen him, um, this game is tougher than it looks on the surface. I I have to give the edge to the Astros simply ba- based on how bad the Texas pen has been lately uh, and the lack of exposure to Belak and, you know, at home at even money. Uh, I, I would have to go Houston. I don't love it, but I like it. I looked at this, and you kind of mentioned John Gray, and we would need him to rebound because less than a month ago, he gave up five runs to Houston. Now, if you do kind of that uh, adjustments theory, maybe he would make the adjustment. Now, you said it, Belak hasn't seen Texas. Gray's already pitched against him twice. First time looked good, and then, like I said, the last time got hit around a little bit. So if we think he makes the adjustment, it might be pretty good. I might be in that camp, so I might look for the first five innings to go under the total just because lack of familiarity with Belak and John Gray rebounds. Or I'm with you, though, for the full game. I probably am leaning Houston just because Belak hasn't seen them and both the starters and the bullpen. The bullpen's the big one for Texas. It's been bad all year. We know that we have the better bullpen with Houston. So I would I would go with the first five under and then look for the Houston money line for the full game. Yeah, I would I would uh I would do that and and I could not take the over. And I I think that the public will be taking the over. So I would I would agree with you the under. I would be inclined to go first five rather than full game, but an, an over is off the table for me. Yeah, that that's what I liked. I like the first five innings under the money line for the full game with Houston. Yeah, I, I concur there, buddy. Uh, so moving to our third game here for the Monday slate, it's going to be a 7-10 central time first pitch. It's going to be the Cincinnati Reds traveling to Milwaukee to take on the Brewers. Graham Ashcraft going for the Reds, Colin Ray for the Brewers. Uh, I almost feel like we did this game earlier this year. We've done so many Graham Ashcraft games this year. It's crazy. It is. It is. Um, you know, what I really like here is the over, at least for the first five innings, or maybe the Reds team total over for the game. I mean, uh, they've beaten on Ray twice, and one would have thought he'd make adjustments after that first game. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
You know, I can make the argument, well, twice, he'll certainly make the adjustments, or I can make the argument that the Reds just have his number, and I'm going to go with that one. You know, Ashcraft did recently pitch well against the Brewers, so as usual, I'm going to assume the Brewers do make some offensive adjustments and score. And You know, bullpens mean less right now, especially in a series where, I mean, in terms of familiarity, uh, where everybody knows everyone recently. I mean, they played six games in the last three weeks, so, you know, and most of those games were actually lower scoring. Uh, so I don't think this one will be. I mean, the roof's going to be open, which never hurts. The balls carry better. So I'm going to go with the total here, Nelson. And I'm in agreement with, you said it, Colin Ray's been hit around by the Reds. Graham Ashcraft hit around by the Brewers earlier this year. The second start of the season against them made the adjustment pitch decently well. But there's too much familiarity with the Brewers and Ashcraft to think that he can go six innings, one run, or that type of game. And Colin Ray has just been, he's so-so, but he's been good for what the Brewers have asked of him, being about their seventh or eighth starter this year. But yeah, I think I like the over there at nine. And if I had to lean with a side, I'd probably lean with the Brewers just because you look at the Reds, that bullpen hasn't been great recently. The Brewers has been pretty good. And they're probably going to be down about two bullpen arms just looking at the the guys that have pitched lately for him, Brewers probably only down one and it's only one of their four good arms. So I would lean with the Brewers for the game and I would go with the over as well. Well, I'm glad we agree. I, I like the over. I like that quite a bit. I'm a little concerned that it's still sitting at nine. It hasn't gone to nine and a half. That's always cause for alarm, but you know, what's done is done and the work says over. And there you go. That's our third and final game for the Monday, July 24th slate. Uh, let's move forward here to the Tuesday, July 25th slate. The very first game we're going to go through, it's actually going to be one of the first games uh, to go out of the gates. It's going to be a 540 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Los Angeles Angels taking on the Detroit Tigers. You have Griffin Canning on the mound for the Angels. Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound for Detroit. Dave, this one was another interesting one from what I was digging through some of the stuff. There's some very unique stuff with some of the pitchers here. Yeah, I agree. I actually had more thoughts on this one than I thought I would. I mean, you know, people have been quick to write off the Angels, but, you know, now they're a couple of games over 500, and it's not out of the question they could make a wild card run. Um, that assumes, of course, they're not trading Otani, but that's a big assumption. Um, we know, we're talking about Tuesday and not later in the week. And, you know, I think actually the uh, the the odds for them to make the playoffs right now are a little under 10 percent. But, um, you know, they were like negative 50 percent not that long ago. So I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I did see Otani's not scheduled to pitch yet, which does raise speculation. But they're going to be rested and the Tigers are playing a day game as we speak today on Monday. Um, and now look at Canning. He can go either way. I mean, he struck out 12 against the Yankees in his last start. And, if I can get a strikeout prop number at six and a half, I'll be betting that over. Uh, and the Tigers start Erod, who I wish was still with Boston. But, you know, since coming off the IL, he's been hit a little more than he had been getting it. But what concerns me is that he's faced Oakland, Seattle, and the Royals, so not murderer's row. I wouldn't put the Angels in the murderer's row category, but, you know, they're an upgrade to the aforementioned teams for sure. Uh, the downside is that the Angels are an awful team against left-handed pitching. I mean, I think they're 10 and 18. So that leaves me no choice, really. But to take the first five under, uh, we know the Angels' pen's been bad. They've been a little better lately, but, you know, not trustable. 
Uh, so I would take both pens out, given that the Tigers play today, and I would take the first five under the number. Yeah, so I looked at this game. We've been in agreement quite a bit. We we definitely are on different pages for this game because uh, I looked at it, and you were right on the head with Rodriguez. You know, since that IL stint, he has not pitching that well, and it's not been against good teams either. And then on the flip side for Canning, like you said, he's some games he looks better than others. But he looked great against the Yankees. But did you see how many pitches he threw? 120. And I went back through his logs, and he had not thrown more than 105 pretty much his entire career. So if there's ever going to be a game where maybe you see a little bit of rust or or, or tired from the, the start before, it's the one where he went 120. So I'm looking at both of these guys. Rodriguez isn't on his A stuff. Canning's coming off of his deepest performance most pitches thrown performance in his career and we know he can go one of two ways and both of these bullpens aren't great we know that the angels bullpen isn't good and we know that detroit like you mentioned they're playing that makeup game today right now as we record this so that bullpen's gonna have a little wear and tear I actually went with the over eight runs for the entire game. Um yeah maybe I mean one of the, the high pitch count is one of the reasons I, I took the first five um, but, you know, yeah, that 120 pitches is definitely a red flag. So a little bit of disagreement there, or at least differing opinions on how that one turns out. The second game on the slate, we're actually going to be looking at a 6.05 Central Time first pitch. This one's going to be televised on TBS. We have the New York Mets. I don't know if I should really say traveling to New York to take on the Yankees, but they'll be going across town to take on the Yankees. Justin Verlander on the mound for the Mets. Domingo Herman on the mound for the Yankees. Two New York teams, inner city rivalry here. Yeah, you know, of all the games that were on this list here, this was the one I really had no idea which direction to go in until I dug into it. I mean, usually I have an idea of what to bet on, obviously pending confirmation work, but, you know, not here. I, I you know, it was a coin flip. And, you know, the Yankees are winning, but sweeping the Royals at home is not very impressive. Uh, you know, they were swept by the Angels. Uh, and lost two of three to Colorado and the Cubs. Uh, in fact, that sweep of the Royals was their first series win this month. So I guess we should take the Mets. Um, but, you know, the Mets, let's wait a minute now. They're on a four and seven streak, and they gave up 25 hits and six home runs in two games at Boston. So I guess we should fade the Mets. Well, you know, Verlander is generally good for 100 pitches. Herman hasn't, you know, he's given up 10 runs to the Mariners and then turned around and only allowed one to the Dodgers. And, you know, granted the Dodgers have never seen him, but, you know, I think the safest bet and the only one I'd be willing to put my money on is the Mets' first five, simply because I know what I'm getting from from Verlander. Uh, and first five under isn't off the table either, Nelson. Yep, we're in 100% agreement. I wrote one down for this game, and it was the Mets in the first five. Verlander, for all of the kind of the negative talk about him and Scherzer this year not being Cy Young caliber, Verlander's been pretty decent most starts. Verlander's been pretty good as of late. Yeah, he'll go 100 pitches every single time. That doesn't worry me. It's Domingo Herman. We I know we faded him in a matchup after he threw that perfect game against the A's. Well, he's actually thrown the ball the last three or four starts out pretty well. But last start out, he went 106 pitches, which, believe it or not, he didn't even hit 100 mark when he threw the perfect game. I had to dig through his game logs. The last time Herman threw 100 pitches in a game was actually 2019. And through his game logs through 2018, every single time he threw 100-plus pitches, he was never really the same. His Actually, his best start 
post a 100 pitch outing and this was back in 18 and 19 when he was younger was five innings three runs so I know the Mets aren't great on offense but the Yankees offense has been struggling here too I just believe in Verlander much more with how he's pitched recently versus Herman's history of going over a hundred pitches. So I'd take the yeah. Mets in the first five. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I mean, Herman's one of those guys. He's he's tall. He's six two, but he only weighs about a buck eighty. So you know, he he doesn't have the um, he doesn't have any body fat. So yeah, he could definitely be be susceptible to wear and tear, and that makes total sense. Yeah, it was like it was a lot of oh, he made it three innings, gave up four runs, or he went five, gave up four runs. But, yeah, his best start, the fact that he hasn't thrown 100 pitches since 2019 I thought was pretty crazy. Yeah, five innings, three runs is his best start after throwing 100 pitches. So I think I like this with Verlander a lot. Yeah, I I, um, I do too, and uh, I'll probably bet that as soon as I can get a number. Uh, looking at our final game here for the Tuesday, July 24th slate, going to go to Minnesota. It's going to be a 640 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Seattle Mariners who travel to Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Twins. George Kirby on the mound for the Mariners. Pablo Lopez on the mound for the Twins. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking for our final game of the Tuesday slate? Well, you know, this one we could talk about forever because Kirby and uh, Lopez just faced each other like five days ago. And it was a it was a 5 nothing game, but Kirby gave up nothing and Lopez gave up two. And it was the uh, Minnesota bullpen that kind of blew up a little bit late. And, you know, I guess one could turn around and make the argument here that while the titters are going to make adjustments and and maybe this one will get a few more runs, um, I'm not so sure. I would like to think that's the case. And maybe that's a possibility because we also do have bullpens in there. But, you know, I, I can't necessarily trust Lopez because, you know, he, he the week before, he got brutalized by Oakland, and, and that just shouldn't happen to an elite pitcher. Um, but I could say the same thing about Kirby because he got brutalized by the Tigers the game before. So it's it's a tough one. I mean, is the under really that easy? Maybe it is. I don't I don't know that I could I would be splitting hairs to go ahead and and, and pick this game. Um, so I will just sit back and listen to you. Uh, but if I'm going to bet it, and you're making me give out a a lean or a bet on it, I would have to take, I would, I would, I would maybe do what I would do in that other game we talked about and, and wait for a couple of scoreless innings and, and then take it over and, you know, maybe get a six and a half or something. And that would be the only way I could touch this game. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the over because you, you said how Kirby and Lopez, they literally pitched against these opposing teams the last time out. So you would think that the teams make adjustments, or at least there would be more scoring than a five to nothing shutout. I actually looked at these two teams' bullpens. Seattle's kind of been using their their big arms quite a bit lately, and Minnesota had to play twelve innings on Sunday, and they used their best two arms. You look at it today, just because we're trying to. Uh, project over a day out castillo on the mound for the mariners and you have maeda on the mound for the twins both of these guys their splits castillo's definitely much better at home therefore it shouldn't be as good for him on the road here and maeda has an era over eight 
if any of those guys get get hit early, that's just even more tax on these already taxed bullpens. And I, I think that the hitters will make adjustments against the starters. The only way I could have played this one was looking at over the seven and a half right now on DraftKings, because that's still a relatively low total, though I know that both of these offenses aren't great. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I, I you know, it's a good thing that there's a lot of games to look at. And that's not the only game on the board because that's a tough one. Yeah, and and that's the one where at first I thought it would be kind of an easier one. And I know you mentioned this on one of the games we did earlier. It was like it looked like it might be an easy one at the start. And then you get right down to it and you're like, ooh, this one wasn't as easy as I thought it would be just glancing at it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to just, you know, wait and see if it starts off slow and then maybe take it over. I mean, I won't touch a seven and a half anyway in that game. If I, if I can get, you know, a couple of scoreless innings and get six and a half, I'll be all over it. Especially, you know, one of the you know, pitch counts are, are always big, but getting bigger now that it's hot and they're a little worn. Um, and, you know, I would bet that if their pitch counts are up, you know, they, they walk guys and, you know, after four innings, they've thrown, you know, close to 70 pitches as opposed to close to, you know, upper 50s then I would expect we'd see bullpens a little sooner. Um, but, that you know, that's threading a needle for me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll digress back to I don't love it. Now that will conclude our Tuesday, July 25th slate. And uh, please continue to download, listen, rate, subscribe, and, and share the podcast here. Once again, if you want to find any of our stuff on Twitter, it's at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler or his work at pregame.com. Now, after football here the last month, month and a half, Dave's been giving out some NFL and college football futures, and I believe he's got a couple for us again yet today. So, Dave, if you want to take it away with your football futures. Yeah, I mean, I think I might have given this one out before, but in the event some people missed the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it out again. I, a lot of people like the Broncos and – they're high on the over and I'm um, higher on their under season win total. I mean, I could go on and on and on about reasons why, you know, number one, you got Sean Payton who doesn't have Alvin Kamara um, and doesn't have uh, Drew Brees and whatnot. But, you know, I look at Russell Wilson and, you know, he, okay. He had a bad year last year. Yada, yada, yada. But, you know, did he really, um, is he, is he always been a little overrated? I don't know. You know, this guy's going to be 35 this year, taking a lot of sacks, almost 500. And he's only had like a 4,000-yard season four times, and Kirk Cousins has thrown for 4,000 yards seven of the last eight. But I think the big thing for me is that, you know, Wilson's rushed for almost 5,000 yards in his career, and I think that's what made him so dangerous in Seattle. I don't think he has the legs anymore. Last season, he rushed for less than 300 and only one game over 30. Uh, he's not and never has been a drop back passer. So without that option, um, you know, he is the third round pick out of Wisconsin, not the league MVP. I mean, you know, in fact, he's only led the league in TDs once, uh, you know, and, and he got Marshawn Lynch coming off knee surgery. Uh, I mean, Marshawn Lynch, um, what's his name? Uh, Devontae Williams coming off knee surgery. You know, he doesn't have Marshawn Lynch like he did in Seattle either. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I think they're better, but, uh, you know, I don't think all the stars align. Okay. Peyton's going to make Wilson better. You know, they did this and, and, and Williams is off a of knee surgery. So they're also in a division where they got to play the Chargers twice, the Chiefs twice. And, you know, the Raiders I'm not high on, but, you know, they're going to steal some wins. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know that nine wins is too many. So I'm going to go ahead and bet the Broncos under. And I know I'm in the 
moral majority on that one, but you know, someone has to take the other side and that someone's going to be me. See, the Broncos are an interesting case. I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I agree with you, but I wouldn't say that I disagree with you. I just think that uh, we know that the Broncos should have a pretty solid defense just from what they've done the past few years and what that roster looks like. It's just, this team feels like it'll go either way. It's either going to implode with all the Russell Wilson stuff or they're going to hit. And you mentioned the tough division as well. I feel like this is going to be either a really bad Denver team or it's going to be a pretty good one. I don't think this is like a, it doesn't feel like an eight and nine type team to me. It feels like there'll be 10 wins or better, or it'll be like seven or worse, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I I, I don't think this is going to be close. I'm going to lose this bet and eat crow, uh, or I'm going to cash it and just keep my mouth shut. And then you also mentioned, Dave, that you had a college football future. So Dave goes with the under for the Denver Broncos win total. Moving to college football here. Yeah, I um. You know, let's go down to the ACC and, and the Louisville Cardinals. Um, I like their over this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, they got your boy uh, Brom coming back after, you know, pretty successful stint in Purdue. I mean, he left Purdue as Big Ten West champions. And I think they've utilized the portal really well this year. I mean, they, I think they've got several four-stars to come in. Uh, they got Jake Plummer, who was in his system at Purdue. Uh, and the real driver behind this, I think, is their strength of schedule. I mean, in part, thanks to the removal of ACC divisions, now it's just one big one. I mean, the Cardinals are going to face the third easiest schedule uh, of offenses in terms of, of ACC teams. Uh, and, and their conference schedule it does not include Clemson, FSU, uh, or North Carolina. So I think uh, people are overlooking Louisville this year. Um, I will be on them probably fairly early uh, against the spread in a few games. I haven't looked at their their numbers. You know, the, most of those spreads are out. I haven't looked at them. But I think people are undervaluing Louisville based on, you know, recent history and not uh, Brown coming back, having Plummer in there. Uh, you know, no, they're not They're not what they were with Malik Willis and, and, and Teddy Bridgewater before that. But I do think they are a better team then people will give them credit for. So I like I like Louisville to win eight games this year. So I'm looking at, I just pulled their schedule up here. And uh, Dave, I know you've talked in the past that if you can find a team where they're going to get off to a hot start, obviously that can bode pretty well for your win total, especially just gaining the confidence once they start playing, you know, better teams, maybe they'll, they'll keep rolling. Well, I'm looking at Louisville's schedule here and I know Georgia Tech's not very good. Uh, you got to figure Murray State is a win. Indiana is not a good team. And then you have Boston College, who was down right there. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to be 4-0, but they have a decent shot of being 4-0 after the first four weeks. Yeah, the only team on there that's a little scary is Boston College. I know um, they have been down, uh, and they are, they, are not, they are not going to win the ACC. But they are definitely um, probably a little – better than people think but but yeah four no is not out of the question and then yeah if you get to four no in your first four weeks they just got to play 500 ball the last eight weeks of the season exactly and and they actually have a a decent home field advantage i've been to that stadium a few times and 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 uh they've got a pretty rabid crowd because i don't know what else there is to do in louisville when they don't have the kentucky derby uh which is right down the street from cardinal stadium but yeah, I, I like Louisville a lot this year. You know, the way to look at these things is 
you know, don't do the obvious like people are people are high on the Broncos. Well, the you know, if, if the Broncos were going to win 10 games, this would be easy. Uh, nobody would ever lose money. And, you know, if Louisville were going to continue to suck, well, everybody would make money. But, you know, I, I think the media and the talking heads and the and the recency bias of years past just clouds better's judgment. And, you know, I, I work hard at not doing that uh, on a daily basis, especially with baseball, but certainly with the overview of an entire team over an entire season. Well, I want to get your opinion real quick here, Dave. If you're talking about not doing the obvious, but this being so hard not to do, Georgia's win total is 11 and a half. And if you listen to the media, this is a team that's going to go undefeated all the way and win it all. Um, I don't know if they're going to win it all because I don't know who they play in the, uh, in the, in the, you know, bowl games and whatnot, but show me a game they're going to lose. They've got, you know, I mean, not going to lose to uh, Tennessee Martin, Ball State. Um, South Carolina is going to be better than people think, but they won't beat Georgia in Athens. You know, Georgia has to travel to Auburn. Now that's going to be one of their toughest games. And Florida will never beat them. Missouri, they get at home. They got to go to Tennessee. I think Tennessee will be good, but they'll take a hit without Hooker. Um, you know, I, I, I think they can. I mean, I like Kirby Smart in as much as I don't like Kirby Smart because I love Alabama. So I wish he'd stayed there. But, you know, I think barring injury, Georgia does have a real chance to go undefeated. Having said that, would I bet it? Um, probably not. But I certainly wouldn't bet uh, against it. There you go. The the obvious Georgia 12-0 and 0 bet here. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. The the toughest game on their schedule is either going to be at Auburn or at Tennessee. And outside of that, there's uh, not a whole lot of resistance here on the schedule. But uh, uh, totally agree. That'll conclude the football futures aspect of the podcast. Dave likes the Denver Broncos to go under their win total. He likes the Louisville Cardinals to go over their win total. And then he said, gun to head against the uh Georgia Bulldogs win total probably go over and take the 12 wins real quick here Dave uh, let's get in our MLB best bets for the podcast yeah this is going to be an easy one for me I think I'm on a little bit of an undefeated uh, streak here picking my spots very carefully but I'm going to take the the Mets and the Yankees on Tuesday in the first five innings uh, with Verlander over uh, Domingo Herman you're going with the Mets in the first five I am that was the one that I was looking at here. I'm going to. Do you go... want me to pick another one, or do you want to just double down? No, uh, you can go with that one. I'll say I co-stamp it. Uh, there's actually, I'll go with two though. I like the, I like a prop, and I forgot to bring it up when we were talking about the Monday night game between the the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. I actually like Chaz McCormick to get a hit, and the reason being is. They're facing John Gray. Well, he's four for five against John Gray in his career. Uh, Sees the ball extremely well, obviously, against Gray. Well, also, when you look at his splits, he's hitting almost 300 at home this year. And the last month, he's hitting 329. The last, or sorry, the month of July, he's hitting 345. The last two weeks, he's hitting 394. So this guy has been just crushing the ball for the last month, the entire month of July, and even the last two weeks, and he's four for five against John Gray in his career, I'll take a Chaz McCormick to get a hit at minus 170. 
And then I think I'll go with uh, another Monday night game. I think I'll go with the Brewers and the Reds to go over the nine runs. So those will be the two that I liked. I, I just think that McCormick prop looks really, really good. Yeah, totally. I've been on him a lot with those props. I even think I, I put a significant amount down on on that he gets a hit over minus 255 the other night. I was that confident. Um, I don't advocate doing that to make a living, but yes, I, I am all over Chaz McCormick as well. So there we go. We'll go with three picks for the MLB best bets for the pod. Dave's going to go with the New York Mets in the first five over the New York Yankees, and I'll co-stamp that one. That's I think that's a pretty darn good one. And then I'm going to go with, from Monday night, I'm going to go with the Chaz McCormick to get a hit for the Houston Astros, minus 170, and I'm going to take the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds to go over the total of nine. So that'll be it for our podcast. Again, just want to remind you guys to download, listen, rate, subscribe, and and share the podcast. Winners take, and uh, we'll be back here at the end of the week. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe.